honest in my heart was no worse than any other person's transgression. Moreover, I thought God fully understood and sympathized with my particular circumstances. In other words, I rationalized my behavior and attitude. But mercifully, the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day through Joseph's words. At first I was angry, I felt hemmed in, but it was a pivotal moment for me and it changed my life. I was never the same again. To be honest, I had only told Joseph of my problem because I thought I would get sympathy from a man I deeply respected and who I thought would be on my side. I expected him to put his arm around me and say, R.T., you're right to feel so angry. Tell me all about it. Get it out of your system. But no, he compassionately but soberly rebuked me and would not let me off the hook. Those words came to me during the greatest trial I'd ever had until that time. I couldn't discuss it with my friends or family members because Joseph was from Romania and was far removed from the situation. I was able to tell him everything. Is that all? he asked when I finished my story. Yes, that's it, I said. And then came those remarkable words, spoken in his Romanian accent. You must totally forgive them. I can't, I replied. You can and you must, he insisted. Unsatisfied with his response, I tried to continue. I just remembered there's more. Why didn't I tell you? Oh, I've got more. R.T., he interrupted. You must totally forgive them. Release them, and you will be set free. It was the hardest thing I ever had been asked to do. What I speak about in this book is far easier said than done. I repeat, it was the hardest thing I'd ever been asked to do. But it was also the greatest thing I'd ever been asked to do. An unexpected blessing emerged as I began to forgive. A peace came into my heart that I hadn't felt in years. It was wonderful. I'd forgotten what it was like. God's peace had come to me years before. On October 31, 1955, when driving my car one Monday morning from my church in Palmer, Tennessee, readers of my book, The Sensitivity of the Spirit, may recall some of the story. I was on my way back from my student pastorate to Trevecca Nazarene College in Nashville. As I drove down the road, I could sense the Lord Jesus literally interceding for me at the right hand of the Father. I'd never felt so loved. Jesus was praying for me with all his heart. The next thing I remember, one hour later, was hearing Jesus say to the Father, He wants it. I heard the Father's voice reply, He can have it. At that moment, it felt as if liquid fire were entering my chest. I remembered John Wesley's words. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt an incredible peace that is impossible to describe. The person of Jesus was more real to me than anything or anyone else around me. This feeling lasted for several months, but eventually I lost it. Now, this peace and sense of Jesus' nearness was beginning to come back, all because I was setting those people free, forgiving them, letting them off the hook. However, if I allowed myself to think about 
what those people did, I would get churned up inside. I would say to myself, they're going to get away with this. This is not fair. They won't get caught. They won't be found out. Nobody will know. That's not right. And the sweet peace of the Lord left again. I began to notice an interesting cycle. When I allowed the spirit of total forgiveness to reign in my heart, the peace would return. But when I would dwell with resentment on the likelihood that they wouldn't get caught, the peace would leave. I had to make an important decision. Which do I prefer, the peace or the bitterness? I couldn't have it both ways. I began to see that I was the one who was losing by nursing my attitude of unforgiveness. My bitterness wasn't damaging anyone but myself. When we are bitter, we delude ourselves into thinking that those who hurt us are more likely to be punished as long as we are set on revenge. We are afraid to let go of those feelings. After all, if we don't make plans to see that justice is done, how will justice be done? We make ourselves believe that it's up to us to keep the offense alive. This is a lie, the devil's lie. Do not take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath. It is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We only hurt ourselves when we dwell on what has happened to us and fantasize what it will be like when they get punished. Most of all, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and this is why we lose our sense of peace. I have come to the conclusion that the primary way we grieve the Spirit in our lives is by fostering bitterness in our hearts. I say this because it is the first thing the Apostle Paul mentions after warning us not to grieve the Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4:30-32. It is also my experience that the quickest way I seem to lose inner peace is when I allow bitterness to re-enter my heart. It's not worth it. I made a decision for inner peace but I found that I had to carry out that decision by a daily commitment to forgive those who hurt me and to forgive them totally. I therefore let them utterly off the hook and resign myself to this knowledge. They won't get caught or found out. Nobody will ever know what they did. They will prosper and be blessed as if they had done no wrong. What's more, I actually began to will this. I prayed for it to happen. I asked God to forgive them. But I had to do this every day to keep the peace within my heart. Having been on both sides, I can tell you the peace is better. The bitterness isn't worth it. I've written this book and say this to you at this moment to encourage anyone who has had a problem with forgiving those who have hurt them, however deeply. I say this to help such people see the real reasons to forgive. Many people who have read my book and who hear me now will have been through far worse than what I have experienced. 
But I've come to believe that the only way to move beyond the hurt and to go forward in life is through total forgiveness. My prayer is that my book and my reading this to you will change lives as my own was changed by Joseph's loving rebuke. I'm convinced that this theme of total forgiveness is perhaps more crucially needed at this present moment than nearly any other teaching in the Bible. I say that for a number of reasons. First, whenever I preach the message of total forgiveness, there is a tremendous response. No sermon or theme I ever touch on comes close to the chord that is struck when I share on this subject. The response tells me that there is a terrific need for this message even among Christians. Second, when I returned to this theme in my own church, when I was at Westminster Chapel, even if I taught on it only a few weeks before, people respond as if they never heard the message. This matter of getting rid of bitterness and totally forgiving one another is difficult to deal with. I sometimes think it would be good if I preached this message every week. Third, it is evident that I myself never felt sufficiently bothered by this unforgiveness I was harboring in my own heart. Why? I've asked this question many times. I surely knew this was Jesus' message. So why was I not gripped by my need to forgive? Why did I need the reprimand of a man who had lived behind the Iron Curtain? Did the Christians in Eastern Europe have an understanding of forgiveness that we in the West did not? Why do we not emphasize this message in our society? I have read hundreds of sermons by the Puritans and the Reformers, but I cannot recall being told by them, I must totally...